I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, Ground Zero. Why Gaza's largest hospital has become the epicenter of Israel's war on Hamas and how Palestinian patients are responding to the chaos. Strengthening ties. President Joe Biden meets with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in hopes of avoiding another crisis. We have a report and reaction. One step closer. U.S. bishops support the promotion of St. John Henry Newman, placing the final decision in the hands of the Pope. Analysis from Dr. Matthew Bunsen, host of EWTN's Doctors of the Church. Plus, everyone wants my crown. I own the mother phone. Actor Antonio Banderas joins EWTN News Nightly to discuss his new Christmas film, Journey to Bethlehem. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on the Feast of St. Albert the Great. Our top story tonight, Israeli troops are raiding Gaza's largest hospital. The IDF and the Pentagon say that based on its intelligence, Hamas is running a command center underneath the facility, something hospital officials have denied. Journalists reported seeing tanks entering the hospital courtyard, adding that troops were searching buildings and interrogating patients. The IDF also released video they say shows their soldiers delivering aid. News outlets have been unable to verify that account. Intense fighting persists around Gaza as Israeli troops continue their assault from the air and on the ground. Civilians are turning to hospitals for shelter. The head of UNICEF described her visit to the Gaza Strip. Or they were just, they, they sought refuge in the hospital. They were staying there. Not people who were seeking medical care, just people who had come from other parts of the country or parts of the territory who were looking for a place to stay and were staying there. And I think, you know, the doctors and the nurses there are doing their best, but it's obviously a very dire situation. And joining us now is Bill O'Keefe, Executive Vice President for Mission and Mobilization at Catholic Relief Services. Bill, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Um, I know it's hard to know exactly what the situation is at Al-Shifa, as many have lost communication with those at the hospital. Apparently, even the World Health Organization uh, cannot get in touch with people there. Um, That said, what are you hearing about the conditions at the hospital and the patients? So we are hearing from a number of places in Gaza about just how serious the conditions are uh, for the 1.5 million displaced people. Um, We don't have staff in the hospital, but we are supporting four uh, churches in Gaza, the Catholic parish there, which are serving as temporary shelter locations uh, for thousands of people. And they are running out of food, running out of water, and are uh, surrounded by in an area that is under constant bombardment. And I can only assume the people in the hospital uh, compound are experiencing exactly the same sort of thing that that the the Christian community and uh, their Muslim brothers and sisters who are sheltering with them in these churches are experiencing. It's really a terrible situation. Yeah, it certainly is, Bill. Uh, As we mentioned, the uh, Israel Defense Forces released a video showing soldiers delivering aid to the hospital, uh, but chances are that probably will not be enough. That said, do you know if any aid organizations are helping them out? I mean, it really seems like a dire situation for the patients, especially the most vulnerable, including the elderly and babies. Yeah, I think that... um, Again, CRS is actually helping in Gaza to this at the, to this minute. We have 52 uh, Palestinian staff who, although their families are displaced, they're continuing to serve their community. It's really an amazing testament to their courage and commitment to the uh, 
uh, to their community. But um, they are they are providing electronic vouchers, kind of like a debit card that allows people to to just kind of get those last supplies from those uh, those stores that still have a little bit left. Uh, we've we've helped over 100,000 people actually, or close to 100,000 people since the beginning of the war. Um, there are groups that are trying to do. The UN is trying to assist, but they're all running out of fuel, and they're all running out of electricity. And uh, and and without fuel, as you would imagine, it's impossible to deliver supplies. It's impossible for uh, even for the internet to work without electricity, and so things are really beginning to shut down. We're very concerned. Yeah, Bill, we have about a minute left or so, and I was going to bring that up. What is your biggest concern with the situation right now in Gaza? Our biggest concern is even if there was uh, the, the possibility of bringing in more humanitarian assistance, it is impossible to distribute it um, without a cessation of violence. And there needs to be an immediate cessation of violence so that CRS and other groups can really bring in and establish a humanitarian operation for really the entire 2.4 million uh, people in Gaza. They are uh, surrounded in a in a location, there's nowhere to go. There's no safe place. The water has been cut off. The food has been cut off, um, and we absolutely need to have the water turned on, the electricity turned on, fuel, food, and then um, a cessation of violence so that we and other groups can provide for, for for people. We hear from our staff every day. I heard from a, a staff member. She's a nursing mother. She's um, a, she's displaced with her family. They're in an apartment with 20 people and sharing one jerry can of water per day. That gives her eight ounces of water per day for her and her infant who she's nursing. And that's just obviously an impossible situation. And hundreds of thousands of others are in the same case. So yeah. we're calling for an immediate cessation of violence and a greatly expanded humanitarian effort. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas is just one of several hot-button issues confronting President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping as the two world leaders meet face-to-face today in California. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen? That's right, Tracy. The U.S. wants China to use its influence over Iran to keep the Mideast war from expanding beyond its current borders. President Biden today held a bilateral meeting with President Xi of China just outside of San Francisco to discuss that and much more. Their one-on-one discussion capturing the globe's attention. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping meeting today on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum, also known as APEC. But as always, there is no substitute to -to face-to-face discussions. I've always found our discussions straightforward and frank, and I've always appreciated them. China-U.S. relationship has never been smooth sailing over the past 50 years or more, and it always faces problems of one kind or another. Yet it has kept moving forward amid twists and turns. On the deadly Israel-Hamas conflict, the Biden administration wants China, a big buyer of Iranian oil, to use its sway over Iran to rein it in. Iran, of course, is a major backer of Hamas, and Iran's proxies have been attacking American forces. What's your message to China today? But in Northern California today, both men seeking to show the world that while the U.S. and China are economic competitors, they are not locked in a winner-take-all face-off. We have to ensure that competition does not veer into conflict. Still among the items straining relations between both nations, human rights abuses, illicit fentanyl drugs coming from China, the issue of Taiwan, 
the U.S. downing of a Chinese spy balloon, and China's hacking of a Biden official's emails. A Chinese spokesperson pushed back on President Biden's earlier comment that China has real problems. China responded by calling on the U.S. to fix its own problems. And on the technology front, President Biden expected to defend U.S. export controls on semiconductor chips. Xi, meanwhile, looking for assurances from President Biden that the U.S. will not support Taiwanese independence. I value our conversation because I think it's paramount that you and I understand each other clearly, leader to leader. Also tonight, both the U.S. and China seeking to restore military-to-military communications between their armed forces. U.S. military leaders have expressed repeated concerns about the lack of communication with China. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. For more, let's bring in Sehun Kim, senior correspondent, East and South Asia at Global Stratview. Sehun, good to be with you as always. So what do you think the primary goal of the meeting between Presidents Biden and Xi is? Well, firstly, in order to in order to even look at this meeting, we need to understand that this meeting is not beneficial to any of any of the sides. And, and again, Xi Jinping is only coming here because uh, there is a dire need for foreign investments to come in um, into his country. And considering the fact that there's over 24 percent unemployment in China right now um, and, and, and the economic the unhappiness of the people is growing even further because of this economic downturn, uh, Xi Jinping himself is, in a sense, desperate for U.S. attention in this regard. And on, and on the U.S. side, I mean, at, at this point, I, I personally do not know what the, what the Joe Biden administration is trying to achieve out of this meeting. But the only thing that we will be getting, getting out of this is, unfortunately, um, em, empty promises and, 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 no, and, and no clear answers um, whatsoever. Yes, Ahun, I want to jump off of what you said, uh, mentioning China's economy. I mean, arguably is facing the biggest challenge it has in decades. How is that going to play into this meeting? Well, uh, you know, China has been has been doing a lot of things to uh, drive inv- foreign investors away. I and mean, for example, they have been uh, raiding executive offices um, all over China and industrial facilities, uh, which actually swayed away uh, investors from even coming into the country or even considering uh, further investments into the country, and thereby uh, shifting their investments elsewhere. And so, for for, chi- for Xi Jinping to achieve something out of this is, is is somehow pretty pretty critical. But also at the same time, he realizes that there. There are other obstacles that um, on, on the CCP's path uh, that that needs to be that needs to be crossed, which cannot be crossed in, in a sense. Uh, the uh, the issue of human rights and um, and and the, and and the, the fentanyl crisis within the U.S., which China has obviously been fueling for the last uh, for the last few decades. Yeah, and uh, the meeting is taking place in San Francisco, which has a huge problem when it comes to the homeless and drugs. Another big topic of the discussion: uh, Taiwan, its upcoming presidential election. This, as China really increases its military pressure in and around Taiwan. Um, let's talk more about that, Sehun, and will there be any middle ground when it comes to Taiwan? Well, when it comes to Taiwan, China is very, very adamant about its position. They believe, they firmly believe that Taiwan is a rogue uh, province uh, that has uh, that is being backed up by the Western forces when Taiwan itself has uh, un- undoubtedly uh, the right to self-determination. And, and, and in and of itself, I think, the de- I think the, the only thing that we will see in terms 
of Taiwan coming out of this meeting is the fact that uh, Taiwan, the status quo for Taiwan will continue on the U.S. side, and China undoubtedly will have to respect it, whether they like it or not. Um, but also, at the same time, this touches upon uh, the uh, the other obstacle that we talked about, um, you know, the, the issue of human rights. I mean, we also we also see the um, the issue of, of jail journalist Yu Dong, um, who's, who's been jailed, uh, unfortunately, under uh, under Chinese rule, and other slew of other people who have been um, suffering under the CCP's uh, uh, CCP's rule for for the last few year, few decades, um, and so and so with all of these uh, with all of these factors uh, considered. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of Taiwan being uh, being usurped by China or even being given quote unquote back uh, given back to China is is completely out of the question considering the fact that this is what they what they do to their own people and and it's there's there's really no good trust uh, be involved. Sehun, thank you so much for weighing in. Always appreciate your time and your insights. We have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including push from the left. Senator Tommy Tuberville faces a new challenge as he fights on Capitol Hill for the unborn. And a major decision from the American Medical Association. We'll tell you what the group decided regarding its stance on assisted suicide. debate last night on Capitol Hill said that Democrats blocked a standalone Israel aid package from passing. Every Democrat said, the heck with Israel. I, I can't understand why they would do it. They did on the day that <clears throat> so many tens of thousands of people came up here and supported Israel. And it was just a slap in the face to everybody that supported Israel. And it's a slap in the face to Jews around the United States. The aid bill, which passed the lower chamber with bipartisan support earlier this month, would provide Israel with more than $14 billion taken from the IRS. Democrats say they shot down the effort because the package does not include aid to Ukraine. A majority of the GOP conference favors Israeli aid, but wants Ukraine support tied to border policy changes. Senator Tommy Tuberville faces new attacks against his fight for the unborn. Democrats are moving to break his hold on hundreds of military nominations because of the Defense Department's abortion travel policy. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales has been following this story from the very beginning and has the latest. Good evening. As we know, the Senate rarely changes its procedures, but that's exactly what the Rules Committee did. They passed a resolution along party lines allowing the Senate to confirm over 350 military promotions with a single vote. Now, the resolution must now go to the Senate floor for a full vote. Democrat Peter Welch of Vermont tells me readiness is at stake. There's no excuse for us not to process these appointments. What we're running into is the Senate rules and Senate traditions. They're important, but it's more important that we keep our national security strong. So what would you, what would you tell Senator Tuberville if it, I mean, you could talk with him? Uh, well, I, I wish you I wish would c- come in here and just explain to these military families um, why he's doing this. Why he's putting their, these folks' lives in limbo. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't support the rule change for now. And he also warns the Pentagon's abortion policy violates conscious rights. Inserting our military into the center of a politically divisive subject isn't just an ill-advised policy choice. It's actually 
dangerous. 27 pro-life Republican senators wrote Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin demanding he rescind the policy. Senator Ted Budd of North Carolina authored the letter. He tells me he asked the DOD how many women the taxpayer-funded abortion travel policy has helped. And they didn't have a number. Then they came back and they said maybe it's 4,000. And then once we got the actual data, it's 12. 12 people to shut down this much of uh, the military with a radicalized policy like this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Senator Tuberville tells me he will continue to stand strong. I mean, it is absolutely insane what the Democrats try to do. Uh, They'd rather burn down the Senate than negotiate. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk, work things out. I've heard zero from the White House in nine months. So what's next for this resolution? Well, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer would only say that he plans to bring it to the Senate floor for a vote very soon. That is, unless an agreement can be reached with Senator Tuberville. Nine Republicans need to jump on board in order to pass it. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN, News Nightly. An update to a story we brought you last week. The American Medical Association has rebuffed an effort to change its stance on opposing assisted suicide. A resolution supporting euthanasia was proposed at its annual meeting. Members of the Catholic Medical Association say they are pleased by the outcome. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, taking the temperature. U.S. bishops weigh in on a possible new doctor of the church. Plus, Academy Award nominee Antonio Banderas joins us to discuss his new movie, Journey to Bethlehem. reminds the faithful that Jesus is the source of our joy. He is also a friend who joins us on our journey through life. At his weekly address, the Holy Father said those who are resentful and complain often are not credible witnesses to the gospel because joy is an essential part of evangelization. While the U.S. Bishops Conference supports a request to name St. John Henry Newman a doctor of the church. If this happens and Newman's named a doctor, we should really take advantage of that. Study his writings deeply. I think it might help to heal some of the divisions in our church. Now, the request was overwhelmingly approved during the second public day of the bishops' fall assembly. Several bishops stood and voiced their support for the measure. The request now heads to the Holy Father. And we go now to Dr. Matthew Bunsen, editorial director for EWTN News. Matthew, great to have you back. As we just heard, the bishops voted almost unanimously to ask the Holy Father to declare St. John Henry Newman a doctor of the church. So talk to us more about that, the significance, and what it would mean for the faithful. Yes, well, the bishops were acting on a request that was made uh, to them by the Episcopal Conference of England and Wales. Uh, this is a request uh, that the Holy Father listen uh, to their appeal uh, and name St. John Henry Newman a doctor of the church. Obviously, uh, as many of the bishops uh, stated today, he is uh, one of the most prominent of the, the great theologians of the modern era, a beloved and famed convert. He was a cardinal. But their argument, too, is that he's very relevant to our time today, uh, that he is a figure uh, who can bridge gaps uh, between various factions in the church, but also have powerful appeal uh, to the wider world that is increasingly secularized. If uh, one thinks uh, that this might not be effective, all we have to do is look back at the the U.S. bishops made an appeal to the popes uh, over St. John of Avila, and he was named a doctor of the church in 2019. They also asked Pope Francis to name St. Irenaeus of Lyon a doctor of the church, and that happened just a couple of years after that. 
So it could have an effect. Uh, and I think the bishops very here clearly uh, want this to, ha to happen as soon as possible. Yeah, and also today uh, the bishops uh, approved an update on their much-discussed document forming the Consciousness for Faithful Citizenship, their statement on Catholics at elections. What does the document say, and was there any controversy? Well, it's a statement uh, that perhaps the most exciting news of the day was uh, the request uh, to name John Henry Newman a doctor of the church. I say that because uh, there was some expectation that there might be debate or even rancor among the bishops over the text uh, or the introduction to this uh, document on helping Catholics to form their consciences uh, before they vote. As it turns out, the vote was, I think, 225 to 11 uh, to keep the document as it is, but then to add in a new introduction, a new letter. And in that letter, they state once again the preeminence of abortion uh, among the different issues that Catholics need to consider. They included other key issues such as euthanasia, uh, human trafficking, migration, war, uh, and the threats to the family, transgender, and of course the climate. But the bishops were very firm that let's not make any serious changes right now as we're heading into the 24 election. What this does tell us, however, is that we can expect uh, quite a bit of discussion in subsequent years uh, as the bishops address what they need to do to keep this document relevant and whether or not major changes should take place. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for your time today and all your insights. We appreciate it as always. Good to be with you. Well, finally, tonight, a new movie examines the birth of Christ from a slightly different perspective. I own the mother family. Don't have to be good. Those men are looking for you. Herod must know of the prophecy. He wants my child. Joseph! I'm not the only one who's chosen for this. I'll join to Bethlehem is a live-action Christmas musical. Weaves classic melodies with humor, faith, and even a couple of pop songs. The movie from Affirm Films hit the theaters last weekend. We recently spoke with one of the stars of the film. We go now to Antonio Banderas, Academy Award nominee and practicing Catholic who plays King Herod in Journey to Bethlehem. Antonio, thank you so much for being with us today. So much to discuss. But first, I want to ask you, why did you want to be involved in this movie? And what was it like playing the role of the jealous King Herod? Very simple, simple answer. Um, I love the script. It's a, it's a story that I knew about. <laughs> I think the whole entire world knew about this story. And uh, and I found that the movie was filled with love. And uh, and that is a side of uh, religions. It is the side that I actually am interested in religions, and especially in the Catholic religion. And on top of that, music. And I love music. I, I love musical theater. I, I think I am an actor because of musical theater. If you put a lot of attention to that right behind me is the, is the company that opened my theater here in Malaga. It's a chorus line company uh, five years ago. So all of those elements together um, um, just made me take that decision, just going there and play King Herod. And, and you talked about the music, uh, you know, and this combines biblical stories with uh, new pop music. Curious, how did the film strike the balance between being respectful but also telling the Christmas story in a slightly different manner? You know, I mean, it's, it's part of the history of, um, you know, if you go back in time, uh, you know, opera, for example, have been done 
a long time ago, and you can go from many different stories, very complicated stories, Shakespearean stories, comedy stories, you know, operetta, and then musicals. So it depends, you know, you, you can actually take very seriously things that I've done through uh, music, using um, uh, mu music as an element to just basically, in this particular case, to translate um, feelings, um, emotions. And, um, and, and this, you know, movie, uh, of, uh, the theme, the main theme, needs to that side of emotional side just to actually uh, connect with an audience. Uh, before we run out of time, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you about your Catholic faith, how it helped you, you know, during this time making this movie and also on a day to day basis. I was raised in Catholicism. There is one side of religion that I actually love, uh, and it's everything that has to do with, uh, with that, with love. Um, and it's very simple. And uh, the, the message of Jesus saying, you know, you have to love um, the person next to you. You know, um, basically, is that the whole entire secret is love. What do you hope people take away from this movie? Nah, uh, I, I, I hope that they can, that, that this movie can collaborate and can be part of their Christmas plan. Um, I, 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 I celebrated Christmas since I was very, very young, since I was like a little kid, you know, with my family, and they were very keen to produce that environment, to create... In, in, in home, an environment of peace, love, and reflection in a very sweet way, and humor, and and loving not only with ourselves, you know, in a cocoon, no, with our neighbors, with our friends, invite people to live with us, and, you know, and, and reflect about the people who doesn't have anything. You know, that kind of environment, I think the movie invites people to just go into those very simple uh, principles. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for speaking with us. It was a great pleasure, and we look forward to seeing the movie. God bless. Same, same here. God bless. Bye-bye. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night, and God bless.